Hello and welcome back to Gary Talks. Thank you to everyone who reached out to us online about last week's episode with John Power. And I'm delighted that so many of you found it both insightful and inspiring. Today, we have another amazing guest. Indeed, this lady was a guest in Series 1 and her episode, Know Your Core Values, was one of the most downloaded podcasts from that series. In this podcast, I catch up again with Jill Carroll to talk about business post-COVID and we discuss insurance and staffing difficulties for businesses today. We also talk about Jill growing her own portfolio of businesses and the importance of systems and procedures. Sit back and enjoy. This is a GK Media Podcast. Delighted to have back in Series 2 of Gary Talks, our good friend Jill Carl. Jill, before we start off, I have to say we needed you back for this series because you were one of the most popular podcasts we had in Series 1 of Gary Talks. I was thinking about why did so many people listen to that podcast? But I think it was, A, your positivity, especially when we're going through a fairly negative time, mm-hmm. and just all the nuggets of advice and the, just the honesty and, and openness uh, in that discussion. So hopefully, no pressure. <laughs> you no can pressure do the same for us. <laughs> you can boost the posts if it doesn't work this time. <laughs> so f- for those who didn't hear that podcast in series one, Jill is the owner of 56 Central, which is a thriving restaurant in Galway City Centre. She also is the founder and runs Strive for It, which it's like master classes for people in business. And I've done it a couple of times and it's brilliant. And if she wasn't busy enough, she decided to become a co-owner of another business with her brother, Joseph, uh, which is also in Galway City, making uh, delicious cupcakes and donuts and <laughs> kind of giving us that little sweet satisfaction we need after the last couple of years of hibernation that we've had. So, Jill, you're welcome to GK Media Studios. Thank you. It's great to be back in studio this time. Yeah. Not at home in my pajamas <laughs> on the couch talking to you. So what have the last two years been like since we last spoke? The last two years, I actually don't remember all of it. (laughs) I was thinking on the way over, I was like, gosh, what's actually happened? But I think so much has happened that it's hard to even pinpoint when was that and when was this? We were open, we were closed, we were in, we were out, we couldn't cope, we did cope. And now we're faced with new challenges, with staffing and inflation. So now it's like, it's everything is just a whirlwind. You never know what's going on. Did we have it more good than we thought? COVID was the only thing we had to worry about. And when will we reopen again as a business? Yes. And now, as you said, there's so many factors. There's the cost of food. There's trying to hold on to staff. There's Mm -hmm. recruiting new staff, training them up. I mean, like, have you even seen already a rise in energy costs for the businesses? My energy is quite high anyway because of the size of the business, but it is gone up. And and it's hard to compare now because when I look back, we weren't really open fully last year or the year before. So I have to always go back to 2019 and that has gone up and I'm nervous about the next couple of months. You know, you there's just so much media about it now that you, you don't want to get caught up in the frenzy. It was mm. the same like COVID. Everyone was panicking. Oh, go and get a food truck. Oh, go and do this. And like I said that time, you have to just do your own thing. And it's the same with this. If you start listening to everything, then you just get into a panic about you know, will I be able to afford to be in business in three months time? But every business is different. So the answer is you you will be able to, depending on your business, you know. Yeah, I'm fascinated at the moment because there's a news app I have on my phone 
and every day it's just raising people's anxiety with the headlines it gives. And especially with what's going on between Russia and Ukraine, you know, they were making so many statements there recently and none of them came to light, but they were making them out like this is definitely going to happen. And anyone who would go on to these news apps or even watch the, the, the TV channel, it's definitely going to make people very, very anxious, very nervous, not stress people out. And I actually have a friend of mine who deleted all the news apps from his phone because it was so bad. But yeah, sometimes we might be reacting to what we're hearing than actually what's happening on the ground. Exactly. Yeah. And and at the start of the summer, I think post when the war started, that was what I realised within our business, that we have to look after ourselves. So we came together and I told so many people and I said, you know, in your own business, go and look after your own figures. And it's down to the nitty gritty. How many butter pads do you give somebody? How many days is that light on? The real core detail. And that's all you can control right now, because the bigger stuff, like you said, one day it's in the news, the next day it's not news what's true, what's not true. You know, it it's really difficult to try and control it. And yeah, watching the news every day is, as we all know, not good for your health. <laughs> and insurance for me now, insurance went up 15% this year, which I, I can't understand because nothing has changed. Um, we haven't put in any claims. Yeah, our insurance, we had a claim against us. So our insurance had hiked and then it was meant to level back down again because the claim is gone and all of that's finished with. But because of everything else that's going on, it remained the same. And I was raging with the company and I just, you know, got really mad with them and said, this is not acceptable. Like, you're basically screwing me because the difference from when before we had the claim against us to now is just so big. And it and it should never have been that way because once the claim was gone, things should have settled down. And that's not the case. But the insurance reform, Peter Boland and Owen McCambridge, they're working really hard. And even the case that I had against me, we had to fight it tooth and nail. The insurance company weren't just going to let us, you know, sit back. They made us go down to the court and they wanted us to stand up and really, you know, defend our case because we had a case to defend. Um, So that's good to see that they're actually not just giving people money anymore. They're saying, no, we're going to fight this now because... You know, as we know, we've become a society of, you know, oh, look, we've got a claim there, claim here, you know, and now the insurance companies have woken up to that, I think. Yeah, because there's even an organization here in Galway where if a claim is under 5,000 euro, they don't bother going to the courts. With it. It's easier to just pay them off yeah. than actually get solicitors involved, which mm-hmm. is sickening. It's a very negative mindset to be in when you're in the workplace to think, yellow yellow signs, yellow signs, trying to get them up. And now I'm in a case where I have about five nationalities, no one speaking English, and they don't even understand what a wet floor sign is. Or they don't understand that in Ireland, you have to protect your business, you know, like crazy protected from everything, the stairs, the floors, the hot water, you know, and it is, it it makes you think negatively all the time, as opposed to being like, oh, isn't this such a beautiful space? You're like, oh, look, quick, pick that up. Don't move that. Or when I go out to eat in other restaurants or if I go into other shops or especially when I'm abroad, I'm like, oh, my God, we'd never get away with this in Ireland. Like, you know, when you go to Spain and you're sitting in some cafe outside and there's like wires everywhere and you're, the chairs, everything. You're, It's just kind of funny because Ireland then is the complete opposite. <laughs> Completely. And not not even to do with safety. I remember uh, we were in Bergamo in Italy at a restaurant and we were outside. And the place was covered in ants. Oh, yeah. And the ants <laughs> climbing all over our chairs yeah. at the table. And the owner's daughter was there with us. And not a bother like. No. And I, and I said to the wife, who's Italian, I said, like, 
can we not go inside? Like, this is ridiculous. She goes, but they're fine. Like, they don't, like, do any damage to you or anything. No, they don't want to deal with the problem. <laughs> in Ireland, they'd be shut down. It was the same. We were in Paris a few weeks ago and there's wasps everywhere. My legs are destroyed from them. And there was beautiful bakery. And I was like, oh, my God. I was with my head chef and I was like, boulangerie, we're there. And the whole window, everything was just covered in wasps. And the queue was out the door and nobody cared except for me and him. And I was like... <laughs> I don't know, maybe there's honey on these. <laughs> Let's just take them. I mean, and they and we asked one of the chefs in the course we, that we were on and he just kind of washed it over like, oh, there's not a problem because I don't want to deal with it maybe. Mm. But in Ireland, yeah, we we have uh, pigeons up on our roof and seagulls and they're like, my camera guy went up to try and fix the cameras and he was like, I can't stay up here. I'm getting attacked, Chill. He was, yeah. he was genuinely scared for his life because they will poke at you. And but then, even if we fly the drone, if there's seagulls around, the seagulls will actually attack yeah, the drone. And the pigeons are, you, it's very hard to have a comfortable meal because they're literally everywhere. And there's nothing I can do about them, you know, but they're there. And the crows are getting bad now as well. They're getting very brave. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen them yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of head chef, even talking about holidays, we were in Portugal <laughs> there recently ourselves and there was a restaurant we wanted to go to and it was booked out until the end of August. So we, we didn't get a chance to go, but we met a friend who actually has a place over there and he was saying he went there two nights. Now, he obviously has a lot more money than me, so he mm. got in there. But he said it went downhill drastically. Yeah, they have and, no chefs in the Algarve. And it was the chef. Yeah. Different chef. Yeah. So how have you dealt with that situation? Because there seems to be a lot of places pre-COVID who had a great reputation yeah. And they lost their chefs since and now their reputation mm. is suffering. Thankfully, I have not suffered. And again, this goes back to every business is so different. So my head chef, Arenthus, is with me since I opened 37. So it's like 2012, I think it is. Started off as a kitchen porter and he's worked his way up. And then I suppose our offering is quite different because we're a daytime business. So they can finish work at five and they can have some flexibility on the roster for the weekdays and weekends and stuff like that. But it is a big issue in other businesses. And I have a WhatsApp group with a few friends that are in the hospitality. And one can never get a kitchen porter. The other one can never get a chef. The other one can never get front of house. And we're all so different. So one girl, she said her chefs were running the floor at the weekend, bringing the food out to the customers because they cannot get front of house staff. Wow. And then another girl said, I can't believe you have enough chefs to even run the food. So it's all it's all a mess. I do not know where everyone has gone. Yeah, this is what I, I first blamed it on like um, people had stopped traveling since COVID. Um, and now I'm like, I'm unsure because I see they've no SNAs. There's a shortage of nurses. My sister-in-law is a midwife and it's crazy crazy in there and you know you're like every industry seems to be struggling so I don't know what's causing this I think the cost of housing in Ireland is terrible like I've just hired a new girl and she's staying in the hostel for a month now I mean that's no way for a 30 year old woman to be living her life you know but she can't find anywhere to live yeah that's a whole other topic is that just the price of (laughs) rent and lack of housing and all that but yeah it's a question that seems to not be answered at the moment. Where is everyone gone? Mm. And employment is apparently at its best in Ireland for yeah. for decades. So there seems to be loads of j- positions filled, but loads of vacancies. And I don't know whether something will happen where, I suppose years ago, a lot of Polish people yeah. came over and started working here. Maybe that'll happen with the Ukrainians. The the problem with the Ukrainians is they don't have any English. So it's very difficult for them to get a job at the moment. And then a lot of 
mums came, you know, so mm. they can't leave their children. So, you know, people think, oh, yeah, they're all here, but actually they're not really available to work right now. And so many of them have invested so much time in learning English all summer long, which is unbelievable. And, and I've met so many of them. And uh, we have a young guy, Alex, he's only 16. He started working with us. Him and his mum are here together and like he'd no friends and he no English, but he's improved dramatically in the last couple of weeks. And he started school and he has a new friend called Emma. He's so excited. But, you know, you can see how it, it has been difficult for him to even go and get a job because he can't speak anything of the language, you know. So how's he settling in? Um, good. I think he he's so appreciative of the job for a 16 year old. He pulls me aside and like in his broken English, he's like, thank you so much. And from my mom, like it's a huge deal for us to be here. And now he has friends at work and he's learnt a new way with all of us. And now he started school, so he's going to have friends at school. And I mean, he'd just break your heart. But it's, you know, he lives near enough to me. So I see him walking along um, on the road and I'm like, that's it's just him and his mum all summer, like walking up and down the road in the evening time. Now he has a job. It's a bit more integration. Um, but it is very difficult for them. So while the Ukrainians will be able to work at some point, we still need to open up something to another country, I think, because like the Polish and the Latvians, the Lithuanians, they're not traveling as much anymore. And we have a gap like this week alone. I've hired an Argentinian, um, a Brazilian, a Chinese. And then we have obviously Alex as well for the last couple of weeks. So my training day was quite stressful. And even at work trying to they've no English, like absolutely nada, not a word. So it's very difficult, but they're very good workers and they're really willing to work. And the gap seems to be um, for a lot of people on that Monday to Friday. There's lots of students around for the weekend, but the Monday to Friday daytime shifts and you'll see lots of restaurants closed there for the last two weeks. And a lot will close now on a Monday and Tuesday because they can't get staff for the weekdays. I know some businesses, they notice that if they had an older clientele, they've been very slow to come back. Maybe okay. it's fear of COVID and, and yeah. so on still around. Have you noticed that, that there's a certain clientele that hasn't returned in the same numbers since pre-COVID? Due to our stairs issue, <laughs> we don't have as many older people. Um, so our clientele will be a lot younger. I did notice this summer we lost, it was completely different than last summer. Last summer it was all Irish families, girls coming down from Dublin to Galway to see what we were all about in the country. And now this summer has been completely different because those girls have gone off to Tenerife and to Spain and all these other countries. So it's been a real mixed bag, very unpredictable yet again. If we were comparing next year to, to this summer, I don't even know if we can because it's going to be quite different again next summer. So it has your, your markets changing constantly. So, you know, looking back, are we better off now than we were back in 2019? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to well inflation wise we're not so the cost of business is a lot more um, with the budget coming up I'm unsure as to what the minimum wage is going to be and for a lot of people that just brushes over their head because they're they're far from the minimum wage but in a, in a hospitality service anything service security cleaners which is everything needs a service at the end of the day if the minimum wage goes up quite high it pushes everyone's wage so as the minimum wage increases my person who comes in on the minimum, the person who was a supervisor now needs to go up and then the manager above that person, they need to go up. So it's like a ripple all the way through. And we've tried all summer not to have crazy prices 
At the cost to us, our margin is down 3%. We track it like crazy and have made so many, so many changes to try and keep it as tight as we can. So 2019 versus now, everything costs more. The only thing I think we have definitely become more adaptable. And one of my chefs, Ida, said to me the other day, something, oh, we had a gas leak and the cost <laughs> thousands of oh, euros. <laughs> oh, just like that. No gas we, for a week and a half. And then we had to rent out all the equipment and come cater rent around the corner. They were excellent and um, rent out new equipment. And that's what we had to cope with for about nearly two weeks. And he looked at me and he said, you're so chilled out. He was like, normally you'd be freaking. And I was like, we just can't control anything anymore. And I think that that's what I've learned from COVID. So pre-2019, I would have had a full-on panic. And now I'm just like, oh yeah, whatever. Just tell the customers we can't have it. And that's just the way it is now. And I think that's what we've probably, the biggest change in everybody is, you know, and then people are more looking at the bigger picture, you know, saying, well, can we cope in this restaurant for another five years? You know, you see some places have closed already because they're saying, no, we can't. Whereas before maybe we might have, looked at it from a different way. And I know I, I kind of asked you this in, in the last podcast as well, but stress, like, how are you dealing with stress? Because fair enough, we might be more adaptable than we were a couple of years ago, but there's so much going on and there's more challenges now than there was, mm -hmm. I think, that, during lockdown one of COVID. Yeah, and you, and you, you can't run the business in the lovely way that you'd love to have it. I just said to my friend last night, she's hired a coach and I said to her, gosh, I'd love to have a coach. But I was like, I, he'd have no one to coach within the business because it's all so variable all the time. So it's just moving pieces. So right now it's kind of like survival all the time, but constantly looking at the detail. How much does this cost? What's the price of this? Um, so stress wise, definitely, I think, after reopening during COVID, it was really stressful. There was days where we had no staff and there was days where I said, OK, we're fine now. And then the manager looked at me and she said, you and me are the only two who can use the till. We're not fine by a long shot. So they were very difficult days. And then the, the closing down was very stressful. Like we had to close in November because we all got COVID. And then it took so long to try and reopen because the COVID testing centres, as we know, were all backlogged and people had no cars to drive there. So it took the chefs a couple of days to get get organised to get their tests. So then we came back for Christmas and we had a whole new team again. And I had sworn we wouldn't do this again and we wouldn't be opening like this with untrained staff. We hired um, an amazing lady to come in and do customer service training. And I was like, I'll get you back in again. But by the time I went to get her in again, it was all new staff again. I have to pay 50 euros manual handling for all the staff. And then I got all their certs. They were all gone because they you cannot retain them. You know, you just can't. Um, so that's very stressful. And then Easter, I think, was the the tipping point for me personally, um, because it was just so much. We had a lot of long COVID within the, some of the staff who just were sick a lot more than normal. And we had very, very few skilled staff. And then I just said, that's it. So I haven't waitressed since then. <laughs> I've completely come off the floor. Now I'm the call center for 56. So if they need me, they call me and I direct them which way they go. Because it was just too much to be physically working. And But I had no choice but to work because we didn't have anybody else. Yeah. Um, and luckily we've had a good summer. We're back now again. The students are gone back and it's a bit messy again. But I've no doubt we'll get get a grips of it again. But it might only be till Christmas and then it might happen again. And it's just very changeable all the time. And do you love the chaos or do you just wish things would settle? 
I probably thrived on the chaos when I was younger and I probably loved it. Whereas now I want to explore other things for myself. And, uh, you know, they don't need me in there all the time anymore, bar these peak times. So for me personally, I don't like it anymore. I want a bit more of a steadier, you know, like to just have a bit more control over your week. Like I try and work Monday to Friday now. That's my goal. Well, it has worked all summer long, so that's good. Um, But yeah, the stress is not nice. <laughs> so then you've strive for it as well. Yes. <laughs> so talk to us about that and, and maybe the, the conversations that you had with business owners over the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of my clients in strive for it are the self-employed sole trader. Um, so their angle is a little bit different and some of them weren't affected by COVID. So it's that's my haven to go to because they can put in these changes because it's mainly just themselves and maybe one or two other people. So they can follow the book traction and they can see their goals and do their 90 day planners and stuff like that. And that's great. And they're not being affected by a lot of the inflation and different stuff that's happening. So it's a much more positive space to be in. But I am aware of the fact that it is hard when you go, when you, it's great to come on a coaching call or a mastermind group for an hour or two, and then you walk away and then you have to get back to your normal life. And for some people that was quite tricky, you know, trying to navigate uh, all the other little things that are happening and then come back to the group a month later and have made some changes because I suppose life was changing with COVID in the background. So have many of them changed jobs or has there been any big changes in their lives? Yeah, I have lots of lovely success stories that I see and I'm like, ah, oh, that person didn't wouldn't have gotten there if they hadn't done this or, you know, they've they've gone on and studied more with, you know, bigger coaches than than I'd be able to fulfill them with um, or completely quit their jobs and gotten a whole new career path and. That is, it's so rewarding and, and it's the small little things. It's the, you know, a girl sent me a photo of a view and she was like, this was on my vision board, this exact image. And you were like, wow, <laughs> that's where, you, and that was, that was about eight years ago. And you're like, it does happen, you know, yeah. the whole visualization and the vision boards and putting them together for your business. And I, I'm, I'm, I like to be a business coach. I don't want to do the personal, but Business is personal. So we have to touch on that, as you know, from doing the mastermind, um, because the two go hand in hand. So but it's not like normal, you know, regular coaching, like motivation stuff. Um, but because I love the business side of things, mm. like what is your margin? Who is your ideal client? You know, what's your marketing strategy? All that. Yeah, no, it's fascinating because it ticks so many boxes. It, it's hard to summarize it up in a, a few sentences because it's a course that goes on over a period of weeks or months, depending on which, which one you, you decide to do. Highly recommend it for any sole traders out there or small businesses, or even just kind of just getting a break away from the office and getting to refocus a little bit on yourself, your core values, and actually getting systems and processes in place. Pre-COVID for us, we were doing, you know, well as a business, we were growing slowly. A good week for us is maybe two shoots, two video shoots in a week. And since COVID, a normal week is about five shoots. In a okay, week. Yeah. So we've had to get more staff. We've also extended our services now with podcasting, social media management, web design and all that. So we've actually we've scaled quite fast in two years. But it was it's only working today because of the systems and processes. Yes. You know, and, uh, you know, you created the foundation 
for me to accept that that was a necessity in business. Uh, so you're saying the, the success of your business is down to strive for it. It's down to you, Jill Carroll. <laughs> but it is the systems and processes. I am obsessed with them because yeah. we all they're have, heartbreaking, but they're, they're heartbreaking. Work. But everyone has great ideas about how they're going to have a business and how they're going to run it. And these are my core values and everything. But then the systems and processes fail. And then essentially the cash flow goes and then the business is gone. So putting in the systems and process, tracking the numbers and this is where myself and my brother in stodge face and I drive him crazy because I'm like, fill in these Excel spreadsheets and they're, you know, well, Google Sheets I use um, because it, it, I can say to him, look, at you can see the power is in the numbers and comparing and contrasting. And it is boring. But when you have it set up, like, you know, especially as a new business, it's powerful to have that information. Talk to me about Stodgeface. Why have you gotten involved <laughs> in another business as well? Um, Stodgeface was a business deal that I did with my other brother, John, on Shop Street on a Friday at about three o'clock one day. Shook his hand and I was like, right, I'm away to Dublin. I'll be back on Monday and we'll get this nailed down. So we had taken over John's other business, which was Boston Donuts. And um, he had found this guy, Nigel, who owns a company called Stodgeface there um, in Mullingar, Athlone and Tullamore. And he was looking to franchise out. So we had a great location, lovely corner. And we decided to go for it to to bring up the brand of what we had already. So it's coffee, donuts and then Badger and Dodo coffee. So it's a very simple model. And it's going really, really well. We had a great summer. We have we sold ice creams and smoothies and a few other bits and pieces like that. Um, and it's been really interesting to work in collaboration with somebody else through the franchise and also to work with my brother Joseph as well. So, yeah, it's going really well. And again, I'm hands off and it's all systems. And I'm just like, here's a spreadsheet, here's a spreadsheet and driving everyone crazy. But it that's how it works, you know. And working in hospitality, would a business like this have worked 10 years ago? Um, I don't think so. Things have become more people like the singular model business, you know, where they're really good at donuts and they're really good at burgers and they're really good at pizzas and ice cream and different stuff. And it's a real destination now. You know, people like the donuts are delicious. Nigel's partner is American, so she knows exactly how they're supposed to taste. And the cupcakes, so... It is a real destination and we make birthday cakes and celebration cakes as well. And that's what people, they you know, everyone has a celebration all the time. And for years, people have been in America buying a box of donuts, going mm. to the office. You know, it's just a real trend. And now you have Krispy Kremes um, in Dublin, which is massive. I was there uh, a few weeks ago and that's grown hugely. They had a huge success. So it's definitely uh, an, an item of food that's on a big trend at the moment. What's the plan for the future? Um, air miles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very you. simple. Once I can get on a plane, I'm going on Camino on a Sunday with a group of friends. Just I'm not a massive fan of walking, but I like the adventure of walking Brilliant. and walking into a new town and finding where you're going to stay for the night. And I love just putting on a tracksuit and not having to wear makeup. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm toying with something different for myself. I'm not sure what it is. Would it, would it be an MBA or I don't know. I just feel like I'm 43 now and the restaurant doesn't need me like it used to. Um, and I just would like to learn more about other types of businesses or, you know, I always regret slightly that I chased the self-employment 
so early. You know, <laughs> I just went for it and I never got to work. You know, I, I joke about it, like into PricewaterhouseCooper or even in McDonald's or one yeah. of these, like where someone had a big budget and they had all the skills and knowledge, whereas I've always had to teach myself and then I go and teach other people. So I learned how to do something and then I became a coach and taught other people how to do it in their business. Sometimes I think, wouldn't it be nice to just go in somewhere and they have already got the systems in so you, I could be a lead in a team where everything is there for me. And I don't know, maybe yeah. it's a little dream, but all I, my dreams can come true. So it's okay. <laughs> but when I look back, when I was uh, employed by other organizations, I always had grand notions about myself. <laughs> you know, I, I even remember working in Roach's stores and, you know, there was there was a lovely uniform that everyone wore. But Gary Kelly got it into his head that he had to wear a different uniform. Yeah. I remember I was always going around wearing this yellow shirt and uh, this kind of purple tie. And even, yeah, even even just the different places I worked. Now, I would have considered myself a good worker and, and a nice colleague to work with. But there was just something there where I, there was more yeah, that I was bringing to the table or I could bring to the table. Or, but back then no one would have seen the light for, from you. Whereas I think now it's a different world of business than it was then. People don't wear a uniform or, you know, yeah. like there's they're strategizing in a different way. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. There's just something gnawing at me that I think, would I like to go and do something else? But I'm not sure what it is yet. You have to go back to your core values to find out what it is. Yes, yeah, <laughs> this contribution. I'm doing the sleep out for Simon actually this month on the 30th of September. If anyone wants Excellent. to sponsor me. Finally, Jill, just for those who are in business, what's the biggest challenge people need to be aware of at the moment? I'm just going to go back to my systems and processes because they are the biggest challenge. So, you know, do you have a system and process in place for how you buy your food, the cost of the food, the margin of the food. Um, are you doing a stock take? Do you know how much money you've made? For the Like a lot of businesses don't know how much they make. We get our accounts from DFS upstairs every single month and I know exactly what's happening two weeks after the month happens. Um, with new staffing, onboarding is constant now. So if you're in a service-led industry, you're probably having a high turnover of staff all the time. And is there a, a system in place for somehow retaining them? So we're looking at new new ways to do it now for the winter. But then streamlining how you onboard them so that they all get taught the exact same things. And they're not here three weeks later wondering what the hell is going on because it's all done through, you know, um, the onboarding process when they start. And then the, the general day to day running of the business, it, what's not on a system needs to go on a system, you know, especially for the future to try and gain more customers. We all relied on Instagram and we gave up on, you know, other ways of uh, marketing. And now Instagram is gone. So what, what are we what are we going to turn to now? I have a friend who's opening a new business next week in Aztec hair salon. That's where I get my hair done. And I spotted a corner that was empty. And I said to Debbie in Urba, she's down in Athlone and Tullamore. I was like, that corner could be yours. She's opening a brow bar there. But her mode of telling people is social media. And now social media, there is no traction. So she could be talking all day long. So how is she going to navigate that? So again, that's part of new systems and processes, making sure that every person that she gets in touch with, she's writing down their names, their numbers in a spreadsheet. How are you dealing then with marketing? We're quite lucky in that we get a lot of 
return business like last Christmas I did an exercise of just asking everybody um, and we would do it down in stodge face as well you know how did you hear about us where did you come from and then writing down their profile and most of the people in 56 were repeat customers um, so we build the uh, social media constantly um, but I am going to start investing in Google ads I think because I've noticed TripAdvisor is dead um, everyone is on Google reviews and when I travel, I just Google check everything on the map, like even coming here this morning, I put in coffee near me <laughs> and whatever pops up. So that I think I'm going to invest in that. And then I'm also investing in our website and a little bit of a rebrand because a lot of people I can see from Google are going on to my website. So to give that offering a bit better, that's the kind of plan, I think, for the moment. Yeah, well, again, I always advise businesses just be wary, especially you know, there's a lot of influencers out there who put all their eggs in one basket and everything was going into Instagram and these social media channels, you know, yeah. maybe they have a 10 year lifespan or so and their peak is gone and yeah. you need to be ready to evolve into something else. And I cannot do TikTok because I have an account set up and the girls use it at work because it is highly addictive. Like you're just scrolling your life away. And then also it, it it is great, but it's it the reach is so random that mm. you really are you are you turning them people into customers. But we've put up uh, you know videos on Instagram and also on TikTok and done them organically and branded them as Instagram or TikTok videos and so on. We didn't just download and repost. And the ones on TikTok have gotten far more views, mm-hmm. but far less engagement. Mm-hmm. If you have something that you can click and sell then yes, I think stories and views are great. But if it's a restaurant and you need to get them in, then the loads of views isn't really worth it for me. But if I, like down in Stodge Face, say, if they can click and buy a cake or click and buy a box of donuts, then it's worth having huge views because you're reaching people all over Ireland, say. Whereas for me, it's not working properly. Well, I suppose that's what people get lost between branding and marketing as well, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Just mentioning your cakes, you can customize them, can't you? You can, yeah. That's so good. You can have happy birthday or congratulations, <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> Jill, I'm always fascinated your resilience and your uh, innovation, entrepreneurship and positivity. And it's always a pleasure sitting down having a chat with you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Gary Talks. Please do spread the word about the podcast and please do follow Gary Talks on Instagram and LinkedIn. Finally, don't forget to join me on Friday for another short bonus episode of Business Bites. Take care.